That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. We are talking to the fifth generation owner of Omaha Steaks, uh, Todd Simon. Wow, I hate to say it. In the midst of this crisis we're living through, what a great time for Omaha Steaks. You were already on this. Right, flash frozen, safely delivered to your door. You get an amazing amount of food that you can stock up in your freezer. Well, that's right. I mean, we are experts in frozen food delivery, and we've been shipping great protein and meals and steaks, you know, directly to people's homes since the mid-50s. So we're already sort of set up and expert at it. So, you know, when people, you know, either stopped wanting to go to stores or when stores didn't have enough supply, uh, we were ready to, to step in and really help our customer family make sure that they were able to stock up and have what they needed during this unfortunate moment. And your quality is amazing. I just am amazed the amount you get for the price that you yeah. get, right? Because you actually have like stock up varieties now. Tell us about those. That's right. So if you go to our website now, we're focusing a lot on stock up packages because what we're finding is that what our customers want is they want a big box with a lot of portions so they can get that in their freezer and so that they can make sure that they're doing great meals at home, but they're not kind of creating monotony, right? They really want variety. My wife now is cooking something different every night, looking for different recipes. So we've got these pre-packed stock-up boxes that are ready to ship now. They're filled with a huge variety of steaks, of premium poultry and pork. We've got no-work family meals for your slow cooker, your oven. We've got skillet meals. We've got side dishes. And we've got artisan desserts. And one of the things, you know, we've heard is that, you know, don't forget the sweets, right? People want to have something sweet to end the meal. So great food, cooked easily. One less problem that really people have to deal with right now is they're thinking about so many things that could potentially overwhelm them. And Todd, can I just say, uh, during this time of crisis, the Stephanie Miller Show so appreciates our sponsors because everyone's having a tough time. And let me just say, my listeners get the need to support my sponsors. You've been so loyal to us and they've been so loyal to you. And now it's a win-win-win for everybody. So thank you so much. Go to OmahaStakes.com, type Stephanie in the box. And Todd, thanks so much for your time. Well, thank you so much and please stay safe. You too. Who's the pretty girl in the window there? Why, it's the first Stephanie Miller's happy hour with my wife, Morgan Fairchild, who (laughs) I am dating and also married to. Hi, Morgan Fairchild. Hello, how are you? That joke never, ever gets old, does it? (laughs) It just resurfaced on my Twitter thing with Lovitz, (laughs) which was very funny. He was posting stuff, so... (laughs) We just were at a fundraiser for our friend Valerie Plame. I introduced her to everybody at the party as uh, my wife, Morgan Fairchild, and she laughed heartily. Yeah. <laughs> and then you gave me a ride home, and I, I told that story on the air because Morgan Fairchild as my Uber driver is my favorite Hollywood story ever. 
you left, you left. And I kept saying, I'll give you a lift. And you left while I was waiting for the car. But, you know, then I'm coming down the hill and I saw you hiking down the hill in your boots. I knew you must be in pain. I don't live that far away and I like to walk. But then I just, it was worth it because then I, as I got out of your car, I just yelled loudly so my neighbors could hear it. Sorry, things went so bad since Flamingo Road, Morgan. I'll give you a big tip. Don't worry. <laughs> oh, thanks, honey. <laughs> Um, okay, so we, and I've been trying to get you on since then, because we've had you on Happy Hour a long time ago, but I don't, people think that this might be a joke, but you are actually an infectious disease expert on top of being one of the most beautiful women and actress, de decorated actresses in the world. You started back in the AIDS era testifying. Tell us about that before Congress. Tell us about that whole era. Well, I just have odd hobbies. I'm not an expert. I'm just, you know, I have a pretty decent layman's knowledge because um, one of my hobbies is emerging viruses and epidemiology. So I'd been following it for a long time. So when AIDS was first emerging, you know, they called it, um, well, first of all, it didn't even have a name. It was just 13 cluster cases of Kaposi's sarcoma in New York. And I thought, well, that's odd because it was in an age group. It's not usually. And then uh, and then there were 11 cluster cases of pneumocystis pneumonia in San Francisco. And I thought, well, that's odd. And then it came out that there was all gay men. And I knew there was something new out there. I started warning all my gay friends, but it didn't even have a name. Then eventually they started calling uh, Kaposi's the gay cancer. So um, eventually it came along. But suddenly then when Rock Hudson got sick, I was like the only famous person that could go on Nightline or whatever and explain what a retrovirus is and how it works and how you do and don't get it and things like that. So, I, Yeah, this is, well, first of all, Chris isn't here, but he went to college because of you, because you played an evil uh, calendar publisher of some kind, and I don't remember how that ended up. He ended campus up, man. I, campus, we actually talked oh, right. about this yesterday. Okay, so campus man. <laughs> but I, this is what people don't, I was reading this. You were a member of the Entertainment Industry AIDS Task Force, um, active speaker. Of course, the environment has also been your passion on environmental issues, helped found the Environmental Communications Office, which encourages entertainment uh, industry professionals to become better educated and more active on environmental issues. But um, this is, I remember this because I, my high school boyfriend died of AIDS. And, it, you know, Morgan, it's starting to remind me, we just lost John Prine. And I remember when we lost Michael Bennett from my hometown of Buffalo, who, you know, was the, you know, creator of uh, um, Chorus Line on Broadway. And, right, we've started to lose all of these brilliant voices already from coronavirus. Well, that's the problem. And back with AIDS, that's why I was trying so hard to get people to take the stigma off of it and just recognize it as a disease. And that's why I like, testified before Congress to get AIDS funding and uh, was there for the unveiling of the first quilt and opened the first AIDS veterans wing in New York with Mayor Koch. That's how long ago it was. And, uh, you know, uh, did several AIDS TV specials, did some with Barbara Walters, AIDS TV specials. With the coronavirus, this is the thing, as you remember that night uh, when we were talking to Mayor Gassetti and I was asking him about what they were going to do about this because you could see it coming. I think that was back in February. Um, and so I was, I was wondering what they were going to do about this. And I, I think our team in our mayor and our governor have done a great job. And yeah. our hours are not going up as fast as everybody else's. So. That's right. Well, I yeah, I re so I remember I'm reading the the uh, when as you say when news broke of Rock Hudson, 
you had, I mean, this is hilarious to me that people think, you, literally epidemiology was your hobby because you are a giant nerd in addition to being one of the most beautiful women in the world. You appeared twice on Nightline to talk to, talk about it, sometimes substituted for your friend, Surgeon General C. Everett Koop at uh, AIDS events. Um, and you, you became an outspoken activist. And I, I love it. You've always been a hero because you said, I know I lost work. I lost friends because I would visit hospices. People stopped inviting me to dinner because they thought I touched their plates and spread the virus. I mean, people forget that are too young, Morgan, what that was like, that people didn't know. I mean, we had Greg Luganis on the happy hour and how people freaked out and thought, you know, and isn't it ironic that coronavirus is so much more easily spread? That's why it's so terrifying, right? Yeah, yeah. And there's so many new things coming out about the coronavirus. So, um, you know, because I read incessantly about all of this stuff, it looks like it may attack the heart directly there in New York. They're seeing a lot of heart attacks being summoned for heart attacks at EMTs and discovering that it's not actually a heart attack. It's coronavirus. And they're not sure how it's attacking the heart. Um, and also clotting of blood. Sometimes they think it may be causing some strokes and things like that with blood clots. So it's it's attacking the body in a way nobody's ever really seen before, um, and that's what's making it so difficult. Well, yeah, it's so much more deadly, right, than the flu, but it's so much more contagious, and, I, you know, we've never experienced anything like this. I mean, for someone that's, you know, studied epidemiology and all that, I mean, this is really our worst nightmare, and why it's... I, somebody was saying somebody wrote a novel like this that got rejected for being too unrealistic, that you had to lock down the entire world and nobody could work or go outside or whatever. I mean, it does sound like it wouldn't sell in Hollywood, right? <laughs> yeah, you'd say, no, this is ridiculous. <laughs> right, right. I'm Here's the other thing. I'm reading everything about you. <laughs> so not just climate change, politics, foreign policy, but terrorism. Some, David Korn, our friend, wrote in uh, Mother Jones, actress Morgan Fairchild knows more about terrorism than 99.9% of Americans and most members of Congress. Um, that I, 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 This is what, because you happen to be one of the most beautiful women in the world, named on all those lists, Emmy-nominated actress, and you're a nerd. You just said I'm a science nerd. You wanted to be a paleontologist when you were growing up? Yeah, I wanted to be a doctor, a paleontologist, you know, and so, uh, you know, that's what I do with my Twitter feed. I'm always looking for new things. They're always doing new paleontology discoveries, paleoanthropology. There's a lot of new breakthroughs all the time. So, you know, I just, um, I, you know, I just, I, I work. And, uh, I Jamie, I know she's pretty. Okay. And by the way, you look at you, you look exactly like on Dallas or Flamingo Road, you did hair. You look exactly the same. It's so irritating. I grew up in the theater. We do our own hair and makeup. <laughs> so but Yeah, you're like, this is not new for me. I was a pageant girl. I know how to do this. <laughs> not, well, I wasn't really much of a pageant girl. My mother, inter- uh, you know, uh, entered me in a couple of them. But yeah, they all would always tell me I was too sexy to, to win, to be Miss Whatever. Tell you. <laughs> All the other girls hate you. I know. That's the thing that's irritating about you is you were not, as I've said many times on the air, you were not only the most beautiful, you were like the smartest, nicest person in Hollywood. It's really, uh, it's irritating. But I love you anyway. Well, thank you. That's one of the things I'm trying to do right now with the shutdown is I I try to go out because I live in an area that's very uh, suburban and I put my mask on and I go out for walks every day for a little bit and I take pictures of flowers I'm posting on my Instagram and Twitter. You know, and people are really liking it. Yeah, I took a picture on my hike of a a deer 
at, that I never, and I'm like, things you didn't notice pre-pandemic. You just like moments of beauty and grace and right that you're like, oh, I didn't notice that. I mean, I hope we're going to come out of this better people, maybe taking better care of ourselves, being smarter. I mean, it, it, it is terrifying to have Trump in charge in this moment in our history, isn't it? Well, yes, it actually is uh, quite terrifying uh, for a man who doesn't seem to believe in science and has surrounded himself with people who don't believe in science. I worked a lot with Dr. Fauci back in the day on AIDS, and he's quite brilliant, and I should listen to everything that he's saying. And uh, he's a great guy, a wonderful guy, uh, brilliant, but also just a great guy. I was uh, in his office about five years ago over at NIH on uh, chronic fatigue syndrome. I was, had a group of people there talking to him about that trying to get some funding and um, we were his last meeting of the day and and he was going downstairs to put on a hazmat suit to do overnight care for an Ebola patient they had there I mean he's the head of head of the thing and he's going down there to take care of an Ebola patient himself um, I mean they should listen to him and unfortunately Trump keeps shoving him aside which is did, very did you see that moment where he someone asks about hydroxychloroquine who's Trump's like well, I'm not a doctor try it you should try it. just take it if you'd like do it do it and you know someone tried to ask Dr. Fauci he Trump wouldn't literally wouldn't let him answer because of oh, course yeah. he knows the answer is n no don't don't take this without a doctor's you know supervision it's got side effects right it's got you know it could kill you if you have the right combination of underlying factors or heart stuff right well yes and um also it's creating a shortage for friends of mine who have lupus me too and, me too yep yeah and uh, rheumatoid arthritis that are on it that need it and it's creating a shortage because he keeps doing this and really no one can figure out quite why he keeps pushing this he doesn't seem to have much interest in the people who are dying and why he keeps pushing this drug i'm i'm not sure because he's going to profit because it's like novartis is one of the that's the slush fund that they paid michael cohen for access to trump he has a stake in a, a french company that that manufactures the generic brand of this I mean, there's always a grift in it. There's always corruption in it, Morgan. It's not just, you go, what, what degree in competence or evil is this or greed, right? No, it's, it's very unfortunate that he is leading the country at a time when we actually have a problem. You know, for a long time, he kind of lucked out and people were saying, well, if it ever comes to some kind of emergency, we're going to be in trouble. Uh, and that time has come. And, um, you know, I mean, like I was talking to people about this back in March and February February, I think we saw Valerie like February 6th or 7th or something. Yeah. Um, but starting back in January, even, you could see this was coming. I could see this was coming. I'm a Hollywood blonde, uh, and I could see this. So why is our government not taking action? Other people were telling him he was being warned. I mean, it's not like this was a big secret. A million, uh, a million warnings, Morgan, not just, not just our intelligence, but the pandemic playbook that Obama left him, his own HHS and these simulations called, you know, crimson contagion. He had a zillion warnings. I mean, the Washington Post piece is terrifying about the the amount of delay and denial and confusion. And he says this quiet stuff out loud. I don't want those people coming off the ship. I don't want my numbers to be bad before the election. And this is where we are. I mean, I don't know what your take, Morgan, on where we're going, because it seems very clear from the charts around the world. This is the rest of the world. We're like this. Because we have an idiot in charge who now some idiot states are still listening to him and not doing a shutdown. I mean, Dr. Burke said 100, 200,000 people, if we do everything right. I mean, what is your take on what's going to happen here and what the timeline is going to be based on all your, you know, previous research? 
Well, they keep doing new models, and, you know, they were doing new modeling yesterday that they think it may be less uh, than the one to 200,000. I'm not sure about that. Um, but it's uh, the good thing is that the West Coast has done what we should do. Washington, Oregon, yeah. California, we have shut down. And that's why our numbers aren't rushing up. I talked to a doctor from Cedars this morning who was saying that they are not being inundated with cases. They're not going to be short of beds and things like that, at least at the moment, uh, unless something very different happens. And that's all because we have done what's right, what it would be a proper uh, epidemiological protocol. Um, these other states that haven't, you know, my home state of Texas is still not doing a lot. Uh, Florida waited so long. If you let, with epidemiology, the first thing you do is you find out who's infected. Then you isolate those people who are infected, and then you try to figure out who they were in contact with, and then you isolate them and test them. And that's how you control it. When you when you have everybody just wandering around willy nilly, it, it it doesn't it doesn't work. And to have some states shut down and some states not, uh, if, and especially if you try to lift the quarantine, then and people are just moving back and forth, you've got major infection going back and forth. It works when you shut the whole thing down. That's what you have to do. You have to shut the whole thing down, uh, the whole country. Everybody's got to got to do it. Unfortunately, we have some governors who aren't looking at science, who are just looking at Trump. And um, it doesn't work that way. And well, uh, you, every, everybody's made the analogies, right? It's like the smoking section in a plane or a peeing section in a pool. The, the, you know, virus doesn't respect borders. It doesn't respect political party. It doesn't care if you believe in it. You know, I mean, that, that's we're all in this together, truly, aren't we? Well, we are. And, and it takes all of us. It takes all of us doing the proper protocols, all of us paying attention to the rules, all of us taking care of each other, which is one of the nice things that seems to have come out of this, is a lot of people really trying to help each other out, which has been really lovely, in spite of our government. Um, so it, it's, it's going to be a long time, Stephanie. This is going to be a long time. Um, when, when, you, when you say that, what do you mean, Morgan? When, when like with Fauci yesterday said that, although he got stepped over because uh, because Trump stepped on his lines, you know, on his answers. But it's going to be a long time because people haven't shut down nationwide. But the thing is, even when they've tried to open up now in China or in South Korea, they're seeing a return of the virus. And, and a maybe bigger wave than the original. Yeah. Yeah. That's what they're worried about. You know, the one they're looking at is the uh, 1918 flu, which Trump keeps calling 1917. I don't mm -hmm. know why. Dear Jesus. Because um, the, the, the movie is out, 1917. Okay, yeah. go ahead. The, the 1918 <laughs> flu. Uh, people sort of remember it as the 1918 flu. But actually, it came through in the spring. It killed people. It went around the world four times. It came back yeah. with a in the fall and that's what they're worried about with this one if we lift the restrictions is that in the fall and winter it may come back again with a huge resurgence if we start lifting restrictions the only way you wipe something like this out is to just stop the transmission yeah you have to stop the transmission and as long as people are wandering around and people are going you know that's why they're saying this week like try not to even go to the grocery store or the drugstore um yes and, 
Got here in LA, they're saying, and Dr. Burks is saying, don't for the next. This is a critical week or two. Don't go anywhere if you can help it. Don't go to the supermarket or the. Uh, and you know, Garcetti here, as you know, is saying you you can be refused service if you don't have a mask on. So yeah, I mean, this is super serious. I'm worried about you specifically based on your appearance on Worst Cooks in America that you may kill yourself with your cooking in quarantine <laughs> before coronavirus can get you. Are you literally one of the worst cooks in America? Oh, honey, I can't cook anything. Um, but I grew up in the theater. You know, I started when I was 10. I was always in rehearsals. And so uh, we always just ate out. And then I was married to a guy in rock and roll who would never come home. So we would always, you know, do takeout. And and uh, my current boyfriend, you know, I'd try to cook and make vegetables and stuff. And, you know, he'd, he wouldn't eat vegetables. And like, at, you know, 10 o'clock at night, I'll find him with a bag of Doritos. <laughs> so, But, uh, you know, Tyler Florence was so kind. He knows I don't cook. It was on Worst Cooks, you know. Yes. And, Get me a recipe for for roasted chicken and um, and I you know and I said Tyler you know <laughs> Tyler, you know I don't know how to do this what do you do with the chicken first do you clean it out do I have to do anything to it if I have the whole chicken and I don't have any of these ingredients here and I don't want to go to the grocery store and go get these ingredients I so- once made a, a Thanksgiving turkey when they say trust the turkey I didn't know what that meant but it's you know it's a bondage thing it's a you tie the legs together and I didn't have string because i don't cook and so i use mint uh dental floss so the turkey was minty fresh that year but yeah i'm you um so what what are your actor friends doing in quarantine are you back to like acting out like skits in your basement like you did when you wanted to be actors (laughs) are you reenacting scenes from dallas and flamingo road and falcon crest and i don't know whatever you know, I've been doing Zoom uh, with some of my friends and stuff, and it's it's kind of fun. We don't do acting stuff. We just, you know, what's going on with the kids? How's it going? How's that homeschooling? You know. Now, is uh, it is it like an Aaron Spelling production? Is it everyone that was in an Aaron Spelling production the Zoom? Because that would we that would we could make cash beautiful. money to donate stuff for coronavirus people. <laughs> let's do the let's get on this. Uh, no, no, no. But it is it is fun, and it's a nice way to catch up with people. I did a Zoom with uh, some of my high school friends uh, last week, and that was really nice seeing where everybody was because, of course, they're scattered across the country. And then uh, Zoom with some of my actor friends here and everything. But, you know, to be quite honest, I spend a lot of time reading about this stuff yeah, and just yeah. – uh, because I tweet a lot about it because I'm trying to help. I'm trying to be a place where people can go to find legitimate information. So I tweet things that are, um, that I update all the time and I tweet a lot about it and I don't do that much on Instagram with it. Mostly I do the flower pictures on Instagram to make people happy. But, um, but, uh, there's just so much misinformation out, and especially because our government has not been acting in good faith, uh, that there's a lot of misinformation and out. And the networks carry active, dangerous misinformation that the president spews every day. I mean, it's that's why they have a duty to either fact-check him in real time or don't broadcast it. It's killing people, literally. Well, yes, literally, and um, that's why I try to do the articles a lot. So I spend, uh, instead of acting out things in my basement, I tend to spend a lot of time just reading every day. And, you know, this is, I have these odd hobbies, you know, counterterrorism. <laughs> I have these odd hobbies. So I, I'm always reading up on all these different things. And uh, I think that's one of the most important things I can do right now. I try to do the Instagram with the flowers to make people happy. And then I try to do the Twitter feed with a lot of articles about what's going on, what's going on behind the scenes, the decisions being made, what research is coming forward. Um, you know, it's turned out that more men seem to be susceptible to it than women. They don't know why. 
uh, but more men seem to be dying of it uh, than women. Uh, more more African-American people. That's come out in the last few days, and they didn't realize it at first because the government isn't really recording uh, race, whereas some of the cities and counties are actually recording race. And so they're seeing that that's a very high percentage, not necessarily because they're more susceptible to it, that they may have, uh, have had worse health care over their life and high incidence of diabetes, uh, hypertension, uh, heart uh, disease. Uh, underlying conditions. Well, you know, I this is why, you know, you I love this. You've always... I love Morgan has shared some of her beauty secrets by authoring the book Super Looks. First, I think the first tip would be be born Morgan Fairchild. But the second, <laughs> it's too bad about your home state of Texas, because as we've discussed, there's something in the water there that makes really pretty girls. Every, right? You, Sandra Bullock, Farrah Fawcett. Who else? Everybody. Everybody yeah. be most beautiful in Hollywood. There's some Texas. hot guys from there, too, you know. Oh, all right. Well, I'm not paying attention. Um, <laughs> but your book, Super Looks, uh, it's a complete guide that includes makeup, exercise, and diet tips. But isn't that the other part? That's been my thing. Is like, I've, you know, we're all trying to do the best we can. We're super healthy here and just, you know, eating, exercise, all that. I do hope that as a nation, we sort of look at that because we are ripe for something like this because we already, as you say, so many of us have underlying have terrible diets and underlying conditions and it is a and our healthcare system obviously a kind of a disaster you add a, a pandemic and we're like sitting ducks and then you add a horrible leadership that doesn't believe in science i mean it really is a disaster movie it's every disaster movie where they don't listen to the scientists right the government doesn't listen to the scientists of the movie where all the scientists are warning you about the asteroid <laughs> <laughs> they're like oh don't be ridiculous yeah yeah, uh, no, but it is important, right? I mean, you obviously, you know, it's been your business, so you take care of yourself. But I mean, I do hope that I just keep urging my listeners, please take care of yourself. Take care of the ones you love. Eat better. Exercise. Keep your try to keep your immunity up as best you can. Right. Well, that's one thing I worry about just what watching on Twitter and stuff is how people seem to be um, eating a lot of comfort food. I mean, I see a lot of yeah. postings of a lot of comfort food and you know which is high fat and maybe not uh, taking as good a care of themselves as, as they should um so that's uh, and trying to get so that's why i try to get out and go for a walk every day i you know i wear my mask i wear my my sunglasses and go out for about 20 minutes a day and just uh, take pictures but it's i'm in a safe neighborhood where it's not very congested and you know if anybody sees anybody 30 feet away they cross to the other side of the road yeah <laughs> so, yeah yeah it doesn't matter what you wear everyone still knows you're morgan fairchild okay oh no they, oh, no, they don't i think i scare them you know <laughs> <laughs> for people that don't know so i because here's your resume obviously uh you played jenna wade on dallas uh before the, taking the lead role in flamingo road paper dolls one of my favorites falcon crest of course uh primetime emmy award for outstanding guest actress on uh, murphy brown but you did everything roseanne sybil friends can i tell you my favorite still your first acting job was as a double for Faye Dunaway during the filming of Bonnie and Clyde, particularly in scenes where Bonnie's supposed to drive because Faye Dunaway cannot drive a stick shift. That is my favorite fun fact about you. I don't know if Faye can drive a stick shift. They, you know, no, they, that's why they brought you in. Oh, I, I just, I, they usually do that on movies when it's far enough away that you can't see it's the star. They use somebody else. I was the sucker kid that they hired to do that. But it was one of those things I was, uh, I was doing, because uh, I, I grew up doing theater, and so I was getting ready to open a funny thing happened on the way to the forum, and this uh, fellow who owned a lot of the sound stages around town that we would shoot commercials and stuff on called me up as I was walking out the door and said, um, you know, hey, you want to be in a movie? And I said, oh, sure. You know, and he said, okay, we'll be at the North Park Inn tomorrow at 5 a.m. I said, 5 a.m.? I'm opening a show tonight. <laughs> I'm not even going to get in until 5 a.m. And so he says, uh, well, no, no, uh, you know, you got to be there at 5. I said, okay, all right. 
And, he, and as we're getting off the phone, he says, can you drive stick shift? And so, of course, being an actor, I lied and said, yeah, sure. You know, so then I got to the theater and I said to all the guys, hey, at intermission, you got to take me out back and teach me how to drive stick shift in the afternoon. <laughs> my, my suspicion is Faye Dunaway probably could. She just didn't want to. She's like, oh, fuck with me, fellas. Say my first time at the rodeo. I'm not driving stick. <laughs> Bring the newbie in. That's fantastic. Um, Morgan, you are uh, just a little burst of joy in the world. Joy and smart and information and, you know, free Uber rides for me, frankly, and flower photographer. Morgan Fairchild, noted flower photographer. Yeah. <laughs> I would say let's get together for dinner after this, but not not with your cooking. Somewhere. We'll do something. We'll go, go somewhere. <laughs> Um, honey, thanks for for all you do, and thanks for the. I, I you know, I, I was like laughing because I thought people think like I'm joking. I'm like, no, no, no. She's like a she's an epidemiologist. She's it testified before Congress. She is an infectious disease like expert. Well, yesterday when we tested out the FaceTime, yeah, my husband was in the other room and he could hear our conversation, Morgan. And he's like, I'm texting all of my friends right now, telling them you're on FaceTime with Morgan Fairchild talking about diseases <laughs> and infectious diseases. <laughs> it's a curveball you don't see coming, and. It's one of my one of my big passions, you know, yeah. and uh, every once in a while, like with the AIDS crisis or things like this one, suddenly people are interested. Uh, most of the time, they're just like, it's so boring. Let's talk about who's wearing what. You know? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I remember Frank Rich wrote a piece a long time ago in The New York Times uh, called Angels in America. But it, you were one of them. It's about the, the people that were brave enough during that time when everyone was so terrified of AIDS to, to speak out. And like you say, probably lost work and friends and whatever to, to stand up for your friends and for people that had AIDS and for gay people. And so you, you know, he, but he was talking about that. It's the people that in those dark shadows, when it was hard that were brave, you know, then later, you know, everybody was on board. Right. Well, I sort of felt like that was my duty back then because I was the only famous face they had that knew um, anything about the disease. And so I felt it was my, my moral duty to go out and campaign and try to get the stigma taken off of it. Um, but I knew I lost work. And uh, like a few years ago now, I was doing a play uh, in Kansas City and, a, a, you know, so a few people there um, had, had retired from L.A. And one of them was a casting guy. And we were talking about it at dinner. And I said, I knew I lost work and all that. And he started crying at dinner. And he said, Morgan, I know you did because I was casting back then. And we'd be in a room and they'd say, oh, no, she's too controversial with all that AIDS thing. And he says, I'm so sorry. I didn't stand up for you. I should have stood on. I'm, I'm so embarrassed. I didn't stand up for you. Uh, when it was but, decimating their industry. I mean, it really, you know. Oh, I mean, I, I just, I, I, I've always loved you from the moment I met you. I mean, I just, I love, I remember seeing, back then you said, oh, it, Hollywood has a blonde every year. I'm just this year's. <laughs> <laughs> but you've always just been smart and humble and kind. And it, it is amazing with the level of fame that you have that you've used. You've used your superpowers for good. Thank well, you. Thank you. Well, I've tried and I, uh, that was one of my big, back in the AIDS era, that was one of my big things is I would take the hit. Yeah. And I would make for other people to come out behind me. And I know I remember one of my friends who was a publisher of People magazine back then uh, called me. I think Rock was still alive at that time, called me and said, hey, we want to do a like Hollywood fights AIDS picture. We want to do a group shot of a bunch of celebrities uh, about AIDS. Would you do it? And I said, sure. You know, so he called back a couple of weeks later. He said, thank you so much. And I said, for what? And he said, everybody said no until you said yes. Mm -hmm. And then you for everybody else to say yes. Without you, you were our linchpin. And right. that's what I felt like my duty was back then, was to take the hit to make it safe for other people to come out and do what was right. 
I love you, Morgan Fairchild, and I'm going to continue to lie about being married to you until I die. And I don't care. See, she never she never issues a denial, which is also, you know, part of her grace and bravery. <laughs> totally, totally not gay, but she'll take the bullet for me. Okay, I love you, Morgan Fairchild. Thank you, honey. Love you, honey. Come Send back anytime. Have a good week. All right. Happy, happy hour, everybody. That was Morgan Fairchild. You're welcome. Right.